most people don't understand what homelessness is. They think homelessness is somebody selecting to not be, you know, housed. But that's not the truth. Homelessness is a social, economic condition brought on by policies and politics of people with means. That's what it is. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., Skid Row Edition. Today we talk with Christopher Mack, the Skid Row Sage. Mr. Mack is a native Angelino who grew up in South Central and for the last 20 years has worked on Skid Row, helping the poorest of the poor. He will tell you an emotional story of very high highs and extremely low lows. We'll talk about homelessness, politics, spirituality, and if you hang in there, you might gain some wisdom from a man who has seen way more than your average Angelino and has some pearls to share with his brothers and sisters, and that's you. So with no further ado, here's Mr. Mack. Hey, everybody. I am on Skid Row talking to Christopher Mack. Hello, Christopher. Hello, how are you doing? Is it okay that I call you Christopher? That's my name. Are you really 70 years old? I'm 70 years old. You do January not look 71. January 31st, 1953. 53. Yeah. What a different time, huh? So wait a second. Where did, where did you where were you a teenager? I was a teenager on Vermont and uh, Santa Barbara, which is Martin Luther King. I went to manual arts. And so I was a teenager in what was just like really just L.A. Isn't there a Popeye's there now? Uh, where? On, on the corner of on Martin Luther King. Uh, MLK in Vermont? Yeah. M- I know a little too much about fast food. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a Popeye's? I think there's a Popeye's on the uh, on the uh, northwest corner. And on the uh, southeast, there's a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Fast food. Well, fast food is just a, one of those phases we go through. You, you think know? this is just a phase I'm in? Uh, n- not you. I'm. I'm just saying. You know, fast food. You know, if, if you can survive fast food, then you know more power to you. What? Uh, thank you. I need all the power I can get. What year did you graduate high school at Manual Hearts? 1970. Wow. So you saw some good rock and roll as a teenager. I don't know if I saw some good rock and roll. I you only- did. I, I, look, I, I like rock and roll, but uh-huh. when, I, when I grew up, I grew up on uh, K, KJ, KJ, KHJ. Uh-huh. Uh, so I grew up on rock and roll, but I was listening to Motown, mm, most of you know, right. The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight, yes, you know, uh, the Four Tops, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, that's what I grew up on, you know, and, uh, are you, are rock you, and roll? Are, let's get back to Motown real quick though. Are you surprised that it has resonated and stuck with American culture as deeply as it has, that it was no fad. It's, it's, it's real American music that is embedded in us. Now. I like the I like the idea that it was real American music. Yeah. It, it was inspired, you know, uh, by the people, you know, whose music it is. Mm-hmm. You know, they live that, you know. But it, it was a much easier time in some of that. But it was it was such a romantic music to me, mm-hmm. you know, because you could fall in love. And 
you know, the style of the Temptations, that was, that was, you know, oh man, when you seen the Temptations move and slide and groove yeah. and dress impeccable, they were impeccable dresses, yes. you know, and uh, they were groomed. Yes. Yeah. Very were, good. were you, were you along with Marvin Gaye as he transitioned from that old school Motown to more of a political, uh, social commentary singer? I think the mercy, the, the, the mercy, mercy me album, the ecology, I was, I just, you know, that was like in the seventies, mm -hmm. you know? So I was kind of like just moving from that teenager, uh, place to be more aware. Yeah. Uh, I think I was more socially aware. However, the, the times made us more active. Uh, I remember, uh, when when the Black Panther Party came out, mm -hmm. you know it was up in Oakland, but down in Los Angeles, they on Broadway they had the breakfast program, mm -hmm. and you know they gave us our little red book. I think I was in junior high school around then. I'm not sure. What was in this red book? That was the Mao Zedong book. Mm -hmm. My mom, she was pro-American, so that was a no-no. <laughs> Did you get it anyways? I had it. And little red book, Chairman Mao, blah, you know, you know, and, and and I had it, but yeah, you know, she was totally against it. She was mom apple pie in America, you know. Right. My mom believed in. Let, let's put it this way: my mom was a Negro, mm -hmm. but without the Negro, the the black the the black movement would not have happened. It mm -hmm. was the Negro that bought it up. Malcolm X was the Negro. And the reason I say I was a Negro, because in 1953, when I was born, that's my birth certificate. Mm -hmm. You're a Negro. What, what, does, what does that word mean to you, though? <sighs> Without politic, politicizing it it, 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 was, it, it was my place of origin. That's what it has to mean, mm -hmm. you know, without anybody else's influence in it and stuff like that. But, you know, I think the Negro had dignity. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't. You can't say okay before on our way to Afro on our way to Afro American. So if you did a muscle testing for Negro, you'd find that it had more power. Afro American mm -hmm. was really a, a, a rip off of the of, of the black movement mm -hmm. because what Negroes wanted to do, they wanted to know their heritage, right? And that's who started all of that. Mm -hmm. Malcolm X was a Negro, mm -hmm. you know, who became a Muslim by you know religiosity but he was still you know a negro mm -hmm. and negroes were out there they were the ones who got beat they were the ones who had dogs sick down mm -hmm. they were the ones who died in the civil rights movement negroes did that mm -hmm. but everybody wants to say oh I, I ain't gonna be that oh i ain't gonna be yeah but if you look at it and you look at the truth those negroes they stood strong mm -hmm. and you know, there was a dignity for 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 Negroes too. Mm -hmm. When you look at those things, they 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 dressed they dressed accordingly and stuff like that. They didn't just wear anything. They had their suits and they had you know, but it it, it still was the brainwash. You know, you still following a culture that, you know, maybe you might have exceeded the culture if you weren't ripped off. Did you grow out your hair? Did you have an afro during these days? I had an afro. I had the comb. Yeah, the, the the Afro pick in the back. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, I didn't put it in the back, but you know, <laughs> I tried to grow my hair the best I could. You know, 
you know, I had I had a little natural, you know. What'd you do after high school? What I do after high school? Well, so 1970. It, it, there's hippies all over LA, right? Yeah. Are the Black Panthers still around? A faction of Black Panthers, but not what they were. Mm -hmm. Not the not not the the abolitionist group that they were. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people talk about active activists, right? You know, but were you an activist? Black Panthers was abolitions. Uh, no, I I was trying to figure this shit out. Right. Excuse me. You know, I was trying to figure out what what is this shit. You yeah. know. Uh, did you go to protests? Did you go to rallies? Did you go to marches? No, no, no. Because as I got older, that the remember you said the hippie movement came in, and you know I was in the drug culture. Oh, you know I I wasn't in I wasn't in all of those other cultures mm -hmm. because I wanted to I wanted to have altered states because I thought that that's where the real the truth lies. Yes. It altered states. I didn't think that. I said, you know, wow, there's more to it than this. What is this? There's more to it than this. I'm not my body. That was one of my rally cries. I'm not my body. So, you know, I was looking into metaphysics. So does this mean LSD? Orange sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 1970. Where would, where, would, where would you score LSD in 1970? They have blotters and but where? In where where would you get it? Oh shoot! You just it was all over. I was in the drug culture. <laughs> okay, you, you where would you get it? You just knew you, you you knew the right guys. If you was in the drug culture, you just say okay, I, you know, so, oh somebody got that over there. You know, I didn't do Red Devils. I didn't do Truanos. You know, which is the pill culture that came before that hippie movement, mm -hmm. and so. That's what the Hell's Angels were doing, the speed and stuff, right? Yeah, but I wasn't even with them. I was over there on Vermont. I was uh, on Figueroa, and I was, you know. So in South LA, they were selling, uh, they were selling acid. Yeah, that's good to hear. You, you had to know where to get it. A little orange sunshine tablet. I remember I had gotten a three fifty Honda, and you know I was I dropped it and did I was looking at this girl and seeing all of this movement and. <laughs> Oh shoot! That was it was a trip, you know. You that just, was your first time. Yeah, that was my first time, mm -hmm. and I'm riding my bike, you know. I said, "Oh wow, this is something else." Oh, oh, oh. so a 350 Honda, you're saying 350 CC? Yeah, it so was a, a motorcycle. It was a real motorcycle. Okay, so you're yeah. on a motorcycle tripping? Yeah, I'm on a motorcycle tripping, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm picking this girl up and I'm looking at her in her eyes, beautiful eyes, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, man, <laughs> you know. Did you get off your motorcycle and sit down? Did you rest? Did you know that you shouldn't be on a motorcycle? No. Of course I didn't. You know, you know, there was there was no PSA. You know, don't do acid and ride. You know the, the logical part of your brain was also on acid. I don't. I just the whole me was on acid. Yes. You said the logical part of my brain. What logic? I dropped some acid. How's that? Okay. You so, gonna say the logical part of my brain? Wait a minute. Check it out. I dropped some acid. So all logic went out the window. I wouldn't say that though, because 
I too have have had this beautiful experience. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> the logical part says, "Damn, this is some good acid." Yeah. Wow. But sometimes that part is also on acid, and you forget that you're on drugs. No, I, no, 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 no. You never forgot. No, I mean when I looked in the girl's face and saw the little moving lines, I said, "Wow, this shit done kicked in." There you go. Uh, yeah, you know, okay. and then mushrooms. You did shrooms too. I, I did some mushrooms, mm -hmm. you know, smoked. But uh, it wasn't until the 80s uh -huh. that, you know, I, I, I went on the, I went on the, <laughs> I went on the worst trip you could ever go on. And it wasn't with acid. Right. You know, because that, you know, in the 80s, I started smoking, you know, rock cocaine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was that took me that took me somewhere you know that really I don't want to ever go there again because it's like uh it's like it's like there's nothing right you know and 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 and, and choice you know I'm just getting to understand what choice is mm -hmm. and people say oh he chose to do not really, mm -hmm. because you know the human experience is is mixed with so many additives that at any given moment your history is driving your life, or you know those those unsuspecting things are driving your life, and oh why don't he just do it this way or why don't he do it? He, he really can't because there's no choice, and then. You know, it wasn't until the year 2000 mm. that I would find uh, sobriety. So 20 years you were struggling. From 80, from from the 80s until 2000, mm -hmm. I was out there, you know. What what got you out? What happened in 2000? Mm. So I had been to jail, mm -hmm. been in prison for possession of a controlled substance. They sent me to Delano. What, what did they catch you with? They caught me with something less than a dime. But it wasn't even mine. This was the funny part. You, 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 you remember, they changed the law that if it's, if it's close to you, you can have it. But that was the prison industrial complex. That wasn't, the law wasn't made for you. It was made so that they could fill up the prison. Right. And so they changed and made things felonies that really should have just been minor possessions and it was, and, and, and there was always a law that if it's on the ground, it ain't yours. Mm -hmm. But now, since it's on the ground, they gave it to me. Mm. It was mine, but but I knew I didn't, I knew it wasn't mine. You know what? The reason it wasn't mine, because the shit I had was in my mouth, under my tongue. <laughs> Where it belonged. And they took me to jail. Hold on, hold on. We're talking less than a gram of rock cocaine? Less than a gram, less than a gram. How did it end up on the ground? It wasn't mine. The Who one, put it there? I don't know. The one on the ground belonged to somebody else. Because the stuff I had that I was going to smoke was in my mouth. Right. So I don't know what that was. Okay. I wish I would have found it. You, you would have put that in your mouth too? I probably. <laughs> at that rate, I probably okay. would have. So they sent you to Delano. Where's that? They sent me to Delano's up in, in Santa Barbara. People who've been to prison know where Delano is. Delano is reception. So Okay. And so... You so you're know. in Central California. Yeah, so 
How, how many years did they give you? They gave me two years. No. Yeah, they gave me two years. Two years. Did for, you have any priors? No. They gave me two years for possession of a controlled substance. What year was this? This was in, uh, this is 1994, around there. Yeah. I find this so hard to believe that a man with no record yeah. goes to jail for that long. I had to get old to get out of prison. So anyway, uh, there I was. And so... I did that time, went home. And uh, uh, what, what kind of prison is this? They put me in a, I think I, I was in a minimum yard. I wasn't in a maximum yard. I hadn't, didn't know, mm -hmm. you know, they have levels, one, two, three, and four. And they, knew, they knew you were not a criminal. I wasn't even that way. You're 70 years old, right? Yes, I am. How old were you in jail? Ah, uh, shoot. What is that? Probably 50-something? 40. 40-something. Yeah, I was. I think I was 40-something okay. years old. I wasn't... Yeah. For two, so I had a friend who went to uh, prison, mm -hmm. and he said it was boring, and that I should give him as many books as, he, as I could because he was just bored. He wasn't afraid. Was that your experience, too, that you were just bored? Uh, no, you know, you try to find yourself something to do mm -hmm. so you don't be bored. So what did you do? Uh, I worked in the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> you work in the kitchen, you get a, get, get all the coffee you can drink and, you know, you just get a job, pick it up. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I worked, I was the kitchen clerk then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that way I, I just stayed, you know, had a routine. So because you had a little job, you think time went a little faster for you then? No, time just does what time does. It just creeps on. No, it does what it does. You, you know, you could the only the only time you really are worried about it or thinks about is your in and your out. That's that. Right. Everything else is everything else is something you have to do in front of you. Was it hard to make friends in this uh in this prison? What? Was it hard to make friends? Was it hard to make friends? I, don't I, I ask you this because you seem like a very friendly person. I am a friendly person, but you got to understand, you know, you just get with, you You know, you, you, you interact with people, but you try not to get into places where, you, you know, you got to watch out for the prisoners and the prison guards. So you in there by yourself, you stuck. I heard that in prison, stuck. I heard in prison, it's separated by races. Is that how it was there too? Well, of course it is. Okay. Yeah. So even even the brothers weren't friends with you? Uh, because, no, look, brothers, they were okay. Everybody was okay with me because, look, when you're not in, when, when, when you're only in a, it's just like a normal community when you're not in these level one, two, and threes, you know. I, I went to a level two on a violation, mm. which was Soledad. I was up in Soledad. I was in X-Wing, you know, where a lifer was in the cell with me for a little while. Wow. And so, you, you, you know, the prison politics is there. But when you're in a community camp, like, because it's, it, it, it's a prison is not what most people think because they have levels. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a community level, you're actually where somebody has you sitting in there, you go out and you do your job and you do your work, but you're not in there where, you know, where some of the hard criminal activity can take place. Mm -hmm. You Now the only thing you do is you try to stay out of trouble. 
And, you know, some people are kind of like, you know, you're in there with decent people. People got, they're going home. They're not trying to stay in there. And so, therefore, you know, I was in that kind of environment. It wasn't in that, you know, 24 lockup, you know, or, or, or where, you know, somebody's going to get it. It's a camp. It's like, you know, it's like a camp. Did you run across men like you who were in there for two years for a little bit of drugs? Of course. That was the whole thing. Were they all black? Uh, well, if you, if you, if, if you're in a segregated environment, of course you're going to hang out with people who are like you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, that's a loaded question. I'm asking, do only black people go to jail for such limited uh, amounts? No, of- that's ridiculous. Okay. Everybody goes to jail. I mean, who, I mean, for such is a there a disparity in who's going to jail? Yes. Okay. Did I experience the disparity? No, because I was too busy, you know, focusing on making relationships with people that were like me, mm-hmm. you know. And it, 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 I didn't hang with the white, but I could talk to white people, right? Because I was working in the kitchen, so every everybody's in the kitchen. Yeah, so the people that worked in the kitchen, they worked in the kitchen, right? And so you know, but you didn't hang with nobody. That wasn't your ethnic, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was safe to do. Because yeah. I saw a guy who was taking communion with us, and he was a Spanish guy, and they beat him up because he took communion with us. Mm-hmm. In that, let let me finish my 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 uh, questions about jail with this. Did you learn any big lessons while you were in jail? Did did you have an aha moment? Did did anything big? happen with your mind while you're in there you got jokes uh, i don't i don't like being locked up that's the biggest aha moment you know you never knew how much you didn't like this until you were in it no i just don't like being locked up right i remember going in i don't know where i was i think i was i don't know if it was in the violation uh every time when you go in and stuff there comes that point of claustrophobia and you kind of like being, sometimes you're able to move, they move you from place to place, that's fine. But then there's that time when you can't move and then you can get claustrophobic and then all of a sudden the walls close in and then all of a sudden you can't, you have to go to sleep in order to re-acclimate yourself so that you can become small and accepted place. Hmm. But, you know, that, 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 that I was aware of. So you did your your full two years. They didn't give you any no, breaks. No, no, they give you, they give you, you don't do the full two years. What you do is there is a calculation, the mm-hmm. good time, you know, and how many points you got and stuff like that it says how long you're gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you get out and then what happens? I get out, go back to the same neighborhood, doing the same shit. You know? No. Yeah, of course. That was in the nineties, right? And. Mm-hmm. I was married at that time, and my wife called the police on me, and I was on parole. What? Yeah. A black woman? Yeah, yeah. Did she do this for your own good? No, she did it because we were smoking. And so she called the police and told them that I was, she told them that I was, was, was being physical with her. I said, no, that's not even true. I don't do that kind of stuff. That's not the kind of guy I am. She was smoking with you? Yeah. And so she was high and called the police. I don't know if she was high or not, but I know that she wanted me out of the way. When you when you say smoking, <laughs> is this freebasing? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. She's got to be high if she's well, freebasing. Free is a, 
Well, we have been, you know, you can, look, check this out. You can start smoking on Wednesday, and then by Saturday, it ain't smoking no more. I don't know what it is. <laughs> the yeah. tolerance, the tolerance gets you. No, you, 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 you just. It might be an empty pipe you're smoking? You, no, you just keep smoking and, you know. Just maintaining, not getting high. It's not, it's, it's, it's. It's not getting or anything. It's just it's, it's it's just that rabbit hole. Yeah. It's just that your mind is telling you gotta smoke this shit. Right. And you be smoking it, smoking. So. So okay, the police love to get this phone call. Which one? Oh, we get no, to arrest no, another black man. No, you no no no. This is the this is the funny part. <laughs> so the police came the first time. Uh-huh. They didn't see no marks, no visible sign. Good. They left. Great. Then they said, okay. So then she called him again. What? But this time she socks herself. No, what? How long were you two married before this? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it was. It's, it's, so, so she socks herself. <laughs> and the police. Yeah. The police come and uh, they say, they say, okay. They say, we know you're not doing nothing, but you know, we, we can't just keep coming out here. So do you have somewhere you can go? I said, yeah, let me go. Uh, take me to my sister. My sister was living on Colon. Okay. And they put me in a police car, yeah. and I didn't have no money. And those policemen, they chipped in and gave me $5. So I was now over <laughs> Are these black cops? No, these are white cops. I was over there with my sister now. Wait and, a second. Yeah. Everything I've been told about cops is wrong. I don't know what whatever. Some people are decent, but you know, That's some right. people, you know, they it, gave you money. You, you, yeah, they did, and, and so I said, I, I remember that night. I said that was so. It was a trip. Yeah, and so I was living with my sister, uh-huh. but then occasionally, you know, I would pine away and want to go see my wife. Yeah, and you know, we had gotten a divorce because I think that last when I did, did that, uh, we had gotten divorced because it was ninety-seven. So, so then all of a sudden, you know, I would always want to go see her because I was, you know, struck. Yeah. And uh, you loved her. Yeah. And so when, when that happened, it was that night I went over her house. She had let me come over and we were smoking. Mm-hmm. It was year 2000. It was okay. around about April, right about now. Mm-hmm. Going about April, May, something like that. Because mm-hmm. I know it was in, it was in the spring. And all of a sudden, I'm in Inglewood. She she's on, she lives literally on Queen and Prairie. I rode my bike over there from my, um, uh, from from my sister's house. You rode your motorcycle? No, no, I didn't have a motorcycle then. That motorcycle was when I was younger. You rode your bicycle from. I rode my bicycle South from South, to from, from 94 from Colden and Broadway, all the way to Queens. In Manchester, wow. in Inglewood. That's like five, six miles. Yeah, it's odd. So anyway, uh, I'm there smoking, smoking. So mm-hmm. it gets to be after 12. Mm-hmm. So we all smoked out. And she said, I got 10. I said, but there's no place around here to get it. Why don't you go over there to Prairie mm-hmm. and Century and mm-hmm. get, I said, I said, okay. So I go over to Prairie and Century. Hold on, this is right next to the forum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Like, century. Yeah. Is it the forum, the sizzler, or the cemetery that you go to for this dr- these drugs? No, no, no. Remember, 
Look, you don't go anywhere for drugs. Drugs are in those areas, and you just know where they are. I was, I was once in, I was, I was in prison, and let's see, I was in a halfway house, and I got a chance to go and visit her, and we stayed in this hotel, the airport hotel out there on Century and Prairie, mm. and I smoked, I pissed dirty. Yeah. Who, oh. who could figure? You know, remember what I told you about choice? Yeah. You don't have choice when you have active ingredients inside of your your psyche that moves you. They stayed in your psyche even though you did two years in, in jail? What? They're smoking? Yeah. I never did address smoking. It mm. wasn't the smoking that was, was it, you know? I Listen, when I started smoking, it was party. It was not. It was not, it was not, I didn't look at it as a criminal thing. I, I looked at it as going to the party, drinking a beer, drinking some. I looked at doing drugs at a party. That's all it was. It's all the same thing. It was a party. It's the same as dancing. Yeah. Well, when you go to uh, yeah, a party, you dance. Right. So, so, so the, the, the normal reaction for me in drugs was it's a party. Yes. And I'm not, I didn't think, I'm not doing anything. I'm not stealing. I'm not breaking them, you know. I said, it's a party. It's a party favorite. It's one of those things that enhances you. And remember, I like altered states of consciousness. Yes. I like to be able to see different things in my consciousness. Yes. So here I am. So, uh, so did, did, I, I'm, did... I'm on Myrtle. And there I am. And so first the police pull up. <laughs> they stop. And they, 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 they search me. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, uh, they said, well, where are you going? Because I didn't have nothing on me. I hadn't gotten anything. I think I had about $10, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I just got into a, a, a spat with my, my wife, so I'm out here. You know, I'm giving you a cover story. Right. So I give them a cover story. Really, When really I'm looking for who got it. <laughs> that's what I'm really doing. And so I go, and then there's the, the gas station on the corner right across the street from, you know, the casino. From right there, this prairie right there, Century. Mm-hmm. And boom, the car pulls up. They they point to that guy. He got it. I go, and I give him 10. And things so small. And I put it in my mouth. So I'm, I'm going down I'm going down the street. And it says, well, that thing is so small. Why don't you just put it in the, because I had on some gloves. I said, why don't you put it in your glove? Instead of, you know, because I'm thinking it's going to melt. Then mm-hmm. I get back there, and then now I got a, this little piece of, you know, stuff. And, and it's wet. It, no, no. It's going to be dissolved, and she's going to say, you did so-and-so. And I know I didn't. And so I took it and put it in my glove. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that same 440 pull, <laughs> pulls up on the same cop. Jump out. And they start searching me. Hmm. And then they say, oh, and they found the rock. Oh. And I'm standing there. And by the end I'm through. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, I wish I was I wish I knew how to kill myself because I don't want to live. And I said, you know, here I am, I'm standing here with the rock in my glove. And I think they're getting ready to take me. And I said, I'm gonna do five years in the state penitentiary. And I said, How am I gonna kill myself before I go to prison? Cause I didn't want to go no more. And I stood there. With that one idea that I'm going to go to prison for five years and I don't think I could do it. And then all of a sudden, 
I heard in my spirit, you won't see one day in the state penitentiary talk about an aha moment. That was the moment that said, well, Johnny Cochran was dead. I don't have no lawyer, didn't have no money for it. I said, how am I going to get out of this? They take me to uh, the Lenox station. Then I go three days and go to, to, to downtown. They say, Christopher Mack, you know, you're up for uh, release. How? Yeah. And I said, oh, wow. And they said, come back on September the 22nd, year 2000. Now, I really didn't do any smoking, but I was drinking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, September 22nd, I go to Inglewood, go to the courthouse. No, I'm in Torrance, go to the courthouse. And I had searched out the arena B. And they say, Christopher, you can go to recovery. And uh, that's when uh, September 22nd, the year 2000, I went into the arena B. I had a pair of socks, no underwear, and didn't know what was going to happen. I got in there and they said, if you get a sponsor and you follow this program, hey, hey, you have a better life. And I got a guy, and his name was Rocky Fickler, and he became my sponsor. And after my fourth step, he said, Christopher Mack, you're going to have to work with somebody. I said, working with people. I did all of those steps. And that's when, that's when I just, life was new. Mm-hmm. And when, in the year 2000, like every 10 years, every mm-hmm. something wonderful happens. So in in the year 2010, I, make, I meet my wife, mm-hmm. who is a wonderful person, mm-hmm. you know. And she wrote a book. And I'm a co-author in that book called The Dynamics of Recovery. And she wrote another book called Isabel's Starry, Starry Night. Mm-hmm. And so it, I also was able to lead groups downtown Los Angeles, help people, you know. Uh, it, it's been rich. And so uh, 22 years, sobriety ain't bad, but... I understand the difference between choice, you know, and habit. A lot of times people think they have choice, but they haven't addressed the habit that cultivates and run their lives. And if you can do that, then choice becomes inevitable. And choice is only one thing, and it's a very simple thing. Always more than one option, choice. But when you have habit, You're only running off of that long road that tells you to do it this way. Well, the book is in the car. All right, fine. 
so but but you know this book you tell me what 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 speaks to you about it you don't have to which one know. isabel's isabel isabel's starry starry night is her latest book okay isabel is your new wife no her, her name is wanda go on amazon yeah go on amazon and look at isabel's starry starry night because that is a book that talks about alchemy. All right, I'll hold on a second. Christopher Mack. Yeah, look up Isabel Starry Starry. The book that I did with her is called The Journey Within. Okay. And she has it written in the motif of uh, of of Hollywood. In, mm -hmm. The first one is more than a flesh wound. That's the first chapter in that one, and then uh, you, you know who showed up on the set, all of those things. You know, I says so. She was very clever with that. Okay. The, the journey within. I've got Isabel's Starry Night: The Magical Quest for Alchemy. That's her. That's the. That's the. Okay. What does it say? Wanda Webster and Richard M. Yeah. That's. Her. Yes. Yeah. Who's Richard M. Let's not go with that. Let's not <laughs> let's not go with that. Leave it alone. He said, "Leave it alone." Who's Leave Wanda? It alone. Wanda's your wife. Wanda's my girl. That's when my... did you guys get married? Uh, look, check this out. It, it, the first time I saw her <laughs> ten years ago. Uh -huh. No, I've, I've been with Wanda for thirteen years. Where'd you meet? We met at, believe it or not, we met at the Bodie Tree. Bodie Tree used to be on Melrose. The bookstore. The Bodie Tree. Yeah, if you don't know the Bodhi tree, you don't know anything about metaphysics. I don't. Yeah, the Bodhi tree was one of the best metaphysical bookstores there ever. Oh, so it was a bookstore. Yeah. Turned out I knew what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was on Melrose, and uh, <laughs> it, it it was wonderful. And and we were in a we were in a class that was talking about healing, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, I had taken the class before, and she was okay gonna teach me how to hold my hands. Oh, so hold on. When you first saw her, was it love at first sight? No. Did you think this is a beautiful woman over here, but I got- She was beautiful. No, don't get me wrong. But you were there to work. No. You weren't there to pick I, up women. You, you know what I told her? No, you know what I told her? I said, I said you're an overachiever. And, <laughs> and that's annoying? That was, that and and, we laugh about it, but that was that was what I told her. But I thought she was beautiful. Yeah. And, but you know, because she was trying to correct my hand, and you know, I'm an Aquarius. I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, that's that's my motto, right? <laughs> and what is she? She she still she she just did a she. No. Said, what what astrological sign is she? Huh? Oh, she she's a she, hers is April twentieth, so she's a Taurus. Right. Yeah. So she sat in my lap. What? And she she asked me why was I so mean? I said I'm not mean. I said you know you're just not going. I took I've taken this course before. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, uh, so when I first met her, she says, uh, she says I'm looking. I said she says okay, so I'm looking for a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. I said no, I'm a polygamist by nature. <laughs> that, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous says be honest, right? So I said, <laughs> it doesn't. I, I'm, I said I'm a polygamist. <laughs> She says, uh, that doesn't work for me. Uh -huh. I said, well, what works for you? Uh -huh. She said, monogamous relationship. I, so I had to ask spirit. The same spirit that told me, you're not going to see one day in the state penitentiary, told me that 
if you get with her, you're going to get spiritual growth and development. And out of the last 13 years, that's all I've gotten, spiritual growth and development. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm healing in a lot of wonderful ways. Is she going to listen to this podcast? I don't know what she's going to do. Let's pretend she's not. Okay. Have you been tempted? Huh? Have you been tempted to go back on this? No, 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 no. I made an agreement with her. You know, that's not the question I asked. You said, have I been tempted? Yes. No, because I made an agreement. You didn't ask that question. And that's good enough. The agreement is what keeps me in line. Okay. You know, so you're a man of your word, but I told her I'm an incredible flirt. (laughs) I didn't tell her I wasn't a flirt, but I just, I'm just monogamous. Cause you work with a, you've been working with a beautiful woman for 20 years. Yeah. But you know, I've learned something about myself. Mm-hmm. When I learned about sex, it was a comfort. It wasn't, it wasn't procreation or anything like that. It was one of those things that made me at ease and comforted mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Getting back to to her, she said, "I told her I don't know if I can do that," and she said, "Why don't you try it for thirty days?" Mm. Thirty days turned into sixty. Sixty turned into you know six months. Six months turned into a year. And so I began to tell her, I said, well, I guess I might as well just grow old with you. Aww. And that that's that's how I'm in this relationship. I love that. And I and so, like I said, she said, we laugh about me being her 30-day boyfriend. <laughs> because it, that was the truth. Because I didn't know how to do commitment. Because it wasn't, it was never modeled. My dad was a philanderer. My brother was a philanderer. Mm-hmm. All my brothers were philanderers. Right. All the sexy black men are. Yeah, I don't know about that, but you know, <laughs> being a be, be, being that being that was you know was, was what I knew. It, yeah. it was it was it was that understanding. And, and remember, I grew up in a hard time, and so you know. Sex was not intimacy in that sense. Sex was, a, it, it was like the peanuts having a blanket. Mm-hmm. You know, like Linus's blanket, you know, that blanket becomes the soother. Or the con- mm-hmm. But then, you know, it never was. And so it, it never did spell relationships. What sex spelled for me was it took me out of myself. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you think that this idea of a 30-day boyfriend worked for you because you were already in alignment with AA, which is one day at a time? I think the 30-day, because I think what worked for me is because I was looking to see what commitment. I never had a real experience of commitment until I went to prison. Mm -hmm. Going to prison is a commitment. True. And so I had that in my in my social experience, but I did not have that in a consent for commitment. Let's move over to Skid Row. Because Mr. Mack, you have already blown my mind. Do you want another? uh, No, no, I'm good. You've already blown my mind. And thank you, by the way, for being here. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being brutally honest. Thanks for being emotional. Thanks for driving in the rain. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Well, I don't know. You did a lot for us already. Mm. But what you do for a living is also a beautiful thing because it's a very selfless thing that you do for the poorest of the poor in Los Angeles, and we thank you for that too. You work in Skid Row. 
What do you do there? I, I work for a company called JWCH, which was Wesley Healthcare, and they provide medical services for the underserved. That's what the company does. However, in the year 2003, it was more brutal than it is now. And what, what was more brutal? Skid Row. It, it was, was, a it was worse then? It was worse then because people would get cardboard to sleep outside. Or they were just in the rain. Mm. And, and today there's shelter for them? No, they, they 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 start using tents. Oh, they didn't have tents back then. They didn't have tents in 2003 and 2005. Oh. So, you know what's funny? This is what perspective is. People bitch about the tents in LA. No, tents is tents is an intelligent is an intelligent idea about not being weatherized. Right. Because guess what? Without the tents, the weather will eat you up. Right. You know, the just the just the the cold isolation of being under weather, hot, cold, and stuff like that dehydrates you. The tent provides shelter. It's not the some like somebody just said. Oh, they don't can't camp out. That's what they can afford. Mm -hmm. You understand because most people don't understand what homelessness is. They think homelessness is somebody selecting to not be you know housed, mm -hmm. but that's not the truth. The, it, it the, the idea is. There is a, a social disconnect about, about it because sometimes people don't want to be uh, uh, beholden to anybody and they don't want to have, you know, they want to be their own person. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. They want their own autonomy. However, homelessness is a social, economic condition brought on by policies and politics of people with means. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And they forget that they, 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 when you want, if you really want to think about homelessness, think about the elevator operator. Think about the 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 the, the car manufacturer who went under. Think about Detroit going blight. Think about when you when you had Southgate and Van Nuys closed their plants in 1980. That's 75,000 people went on the pink slip. And how long does it take before somebody cannot afford any place? It takes a couple of months. With 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 unemployment and with severance pay, and once that's gone, and there is no you know no, no retraining for something. So when you talk about homeless, you gotta look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, they only say, "Oh, so here's what they do." Oh, it's mental health and substance abuse. No, no, no. You only say that so that you can cover your behind, so that you won't look bad in your own self. But no, it's really a socioeconomic condition that needs to be looked at from that point. Mm -hmm. And your social engineers haven't a clue. And every time you raise money for the homeless, somebody else who's going to be a consultant send their kid to college on the money. Homelessness is an industry that's bought on by the system itself. So let's stop being, you know, let's stop being stupid. We have a, a new mayor, a black woman, the first black woman to be a mayor of L.A., she ran on homelessness. Everybody does. God said he ran on homelessness. Be a regosa. Don't. That's. Let's get real. I. I. I'm nothing but real, my man. So, my question is: We believed it with her. We believed it a little more with her than with the billionaire. True. Don't you think that that's why she won? Is because when when a billionaire talks about homelessness and they've never helped a homeless person, we don't believe them. You know how she went. She was more manageable. 
That's why she won. Okay, so here's my question to you. What would you like to hear from her about handling homelessness in L.A.? Or at least starting to handle homelessness in L.A.? What would you like to hear from her? Nothing. What the hell? You don't think she's got the power to do it? It's stupidity here again. So what do you think? She's not, she can't do anything. She can't put people into abandoned buildings and hotels and... Who, who are you putting into abandoned buildings and hotels? She's doing and it right how now. how are you going to sustain it? We're not one of the richest cities in the whole how world? How are you going to sustain it? Look, even after, even, even after the pandemic, they tried to put people into places, but they couldn't sustain it. And then the people that they put in there to have behavioral health ideas, mm -hmm. not mental health, behavioral health. What's the difference? The difference is, you know, behavioral health is is, is somebody is so, so traumatized or it says, you know, they're telling you to screw off, period. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have mental health. They have social adjustments I that see. need to be, you know, a person's behavior could be, you know, I'm not going to say good morning to you. I'm going to say fuck you before I say good morning. <laughs> so <laughs> that's behavioral health. And right. then people say, oh, that's mental health. No, mental health is, it's something different too. Right. Because when you say mental health, you have to say mental disorder and mental illness. So and here's here's what here's why you cannot put this on her shoulder. They could control her, and the they is, you know, the people just like I'll, I'll tell you what happened on, on Skid Row one day, okay? When I met the mayor. So I got a picture of me meeting her. So you met Mayor Bass? Yeah, I met Mayor. I got a picture. Recently of or when she was a congresswoman? No, recently. When so, she was mayor? Yeah, when she was mayor. So she, she so, went to the right man. <laughs> uh, so look, I met her. And but let me tell you something. When I met Mayor Bass, mm -hmm. what happened was she was she was uh what did she do? She was she was in at the Wine Guard. Mm -hmm. Wine Guard Connect Day. There it is. There she is. He's 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 digging through his phone. He's multitasking. There it is. Talking to you. Yeah. Look so you. when I met Mayor Bass, I got the sense that here here it is a beautiful soul trying to do the work. Yes. However, the people around her. You know when you say then the vipers and thieves, she's got people around her that's not really in her camp. Hmm. Huh. Believe me. These are people that were already in City Hall who... Of course. Of course. You understand these people run by explicit bias. Mm -hmm. In other words, a lot of times there's implicit and explicit biases. And so the implicit and explicit biases of the individual is just what I'm going to show you. So when... I love that picture and I hope you text it to me so we can put it into our uh, our website about you and about this conversation. What did you tell the mayor when you were talking to her there? I told her that, you know, we're going to have to stop doing the same thing over again because, the, you know, the, the the results don't ever come about. And I think that she's only gotten to be mayor because they can control the outcome quicker than they could with a billionaire. Mm. You know, you see billionaires on two different types of things. It's my money, so guess what? You go over there and sit down and shut up. These people, when she say something, they can go back and undermine her. And I'm going to tell you what happened. So the lady, there was a lady who, who, on, on on 5th and San Pedro. And this was recently. You can look it up. She had, it was called the White House. Now, 
she's provides lots of services to the to the people on Skid Row. And Christmas time, the kids have a fabulous Christmas because she gets donations and everything. So she has a little structure there. Mm -hmm. And so one day they call themselves doing the street cleanup. So they go over there on 5th and San Pedro, and they call in the bulldozer, and they take all of her stuff, put it into the trash truck. Okay, hold on. This woman was not homeless? She is homeless. She was right there on that corner. So this is a whole... Hold on. You don't need to go to your phone. She. This is a homeless woman who helps other homeless people. Right, right, right. Well... And and sanitation... Sanitation came. Took took all of her things away. Took all of her things away. Did they take her away? Uh, No, they, no, they didn't take her away. They just had the police down there, you know, to... Be because what we see on, on the news and on Twitter is, is they take the people's belongings, yeah, but they then they also take them. No, no, no. But some of them, they I don't know, but... But but, but, but they, they mess with her. They, they mess with the one lady but, who was well, helping. Well, they didn't take her anywhere. Right. They left her sitting there. Without any There, all her stuff gone. And one of the things about it is, they said, they said, oh, it was a scheduled cleanup. But then when the mayor found out, she wasn't happy about it. Mm -hmm. Because of the, what they did, the way they did it. You understand? And so... So we got back to Mayor Bass. Yeah, that, and she was unhappy about it. Mm -hmm. But that was... That that goes to show you how are you going to put all that on her shoulders? I wouldn't dare do that. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like... It's wrong to do that to her. She, she She's a decent person. I felt her decency. Did you? When, yeah. But then when I was there shaking her hand, mm -hmm. I felt... There's some. There was some ugly energy around her. It was easy to tell. It's easy to see it. Should Mayor Bass hire you to help her with the homeless? No, she's got. Uh, she's got some 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 good activists there. And 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 and, and we, we. Why do we keep? Why do we keep separating ourselves? Homeless people are people. These are people. These are human beings. These are human beings who have suffered some egregious idea of uh, 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 economic downfall. Here, here, and so why it, do we keep saying the homeless? Be, because it's easy. Okay. And, 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 and it doesn't get anything done. Well, I would like to get something done. And and please, again, I, I, I literally take my hat off to you, Mr. Mack. Because, I don't take mine off. <laughs> because he looked up and he saw my hat was off. Because you have you have dealt with, with this situation for 20 years. And so you know. And this is why I'm asking you, in all earnestness... When I see LA and I drive around LA every day as an Uber driver and I see empty buildings everywhere and I see homeless people and I think, can I just get the people into these empty buildings somehow? It's not about just putting people but, into... But it's this first step is what I'm saying. It's not even a first step. It's not? No. What's the first step? That, the first step is who, who are you dealing with? I, I think that the first step is personal assessments and analysis. Okay. You cannot put somebody somewhere if you don't know who you put in there. Fine. But if I went to you and I said, I've got 100 beds, you don't think you could help me fill those 100 beds with the right people? Do you have radical hospitality in there or do you have just the same old thing where... Let's, let's pretend it's just a motel. It's just a motel. A, a motel, maybe. You can put 100 people in there. But you know what? But 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 do they sustain it? No. Why don't they sustain it? Because there's another step in there 
to get them to be responsible for their stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you can give it to them. Mm-hmm. But if they got the same old habits controlling and driving them, they're not going to keep it for very long. Right. And this is what I said. Personal assessments and analysis is what it's called for. And if you don't do a personal assessment on the individual, and it has to take place at the individual, other than that, who are you talking to? You're talking to the condition, and you have a skewed idea of what the condition's about. Are there people who are good at that? Yeah, they have a lot of people out there. Like social workers and stuff, right? No. They, they have... <laughs> no. They, the mental health have... You know, there's a few pe- people who are decent who who actually listens to the people. Mm-hmm. But but it's going to take more than listening, but it's going to take a person to be able to help to navigate his own plan yeah. for his own life because he sat down and he's done an assessment for himself. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about. The alchemy of, of transition in what she's talking about is you have to do introspection and reflection. And that's what Isabel, the, the, the Isabel Story Story Night is about, mm-hmm. being able to capture that place where you move to the aha moment. Mm-hmm. And you can only move to the aha moment through observation. The aha moment is not brought about by, you know, complex intellectual, you know, top, topsy-turvy stuff. It's about by sitting and seeing what it is that you are about and how you have been in your own life. Mm-hmm. And being able to accept the good, the bad, the ugly, the tragedies, and not let any of those things, you know, run your life, but then make a decision to choose something different. Let's uh, talk about your job in specific. You say you help the, the, the underserved. I call them the poor. I, in fact, the people that you talk to, I imagine, are the poorest of the poor. And what are you measuring poor by? And, 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 and I'm not asking you that, mm-hmm. but you measure poor by economic status. Yeah. That's where you measure poor. But, you Shouldn't know, I? poverty... But poverty is the system itself is is based upon haves and have not. Mm-hmm. Poverty itself is a culprit that 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 brings people to you, you know to the the demise of individual mm-hmm. individual uh, ambitions or individual inspiration. Mm-hmm. Poverty itself, and so because you know what what is what is looked at as necessary in a society and what will people pay for. Is how the economics run. So, so as the unfettered capitalism, yeah, may be a culprit to homelessness. For sure, absolutely unfettered. <laughs> well, let me say that <laughs> unfettered <laughs> capitalism. Okay, okay. Tell me about some of the people who come into your place of work and how you help them. When they knock on your door, what are they looking for? When I go out and I see people, oh, I, you go out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, they don't come to you. I'm a senior community outreach worker. So you you're walking around Skid Row. Yeah, I walk around Skid all Row. day, all day. So, uh, for, for hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you a few times. <laughs> now again, 
you are a, a, a handsome, strong, healthy black man. So this might be a foolish question for you. I don't you. know. You know what? I'm doing the emancipation circle, so you know I have to accept those those white rapists that did my <laughs> grandmothers. You know. So. <laughs> is it safe for you on those streets? Is what I'm asking. Because I don't think it'd be safe for everybody on those streets. Is it safe because they know you? Or is it safe because Skid Row is not as dangerous as people want you to believe? No, I might be intelligent. Yeah. You know where not to go at the right time. <laughs> at, the any, time. at any given moment. <laughs> but but that's only because you've worked there for 20 years. Yeah, at any given moment. But Did you know too, this 20 years ago, where to go and where not to go? Uh, No, I just went everywhere. And you were still <laughs> safe, though, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I would have to say... I, the creator did all of that, you know. I, I would have to just say, I don't know. Safe you you were made safe. It, it wasn't the streets were safe. I think, you I were think, protected. I I I I think, I think I have a good nature. Yes. And with a good nature, you're able to go places, you know, and people respond to the good nature. But these people also know that you're you're there to help. Well, yeah. That's so true. so why beat that's you true. up? Why fuck with you? You're there to help. If, if, look, look, look. Check this out. Sometimes, you if you walk into a place and you're arrogant and stupid, you, you may not be communicating the right thing, and somebody right. might want to hand you your hat. Or if you walk in, you you know you look unusual and you flashing, and they never seen you before. Yeah. Then you know most of the time they see me, even if I don't see them, they see me. And they say, oh, you helped so-and-so. I got people that come to me and say, oh, you did this a long time ago. And sometimes it humbles me so much that mm. I have to just turn away and cry mm. and, and not accept the accolade that I don't care about accolades. Mm -hmm. You know, I care about the well-being of the individual, mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of times I'm not just offering, I'm not just offering Wesley services. Right. This is ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Skid Row is a culture. But, but you get emotional when they give you this feedback because I'm humbled because humility rather than humiliation begins to take over. You got to understand, I do a lot of introspection. I do a lot of internal work. Mm -hmm. And so when, and I'm an empath too. Mm -hmm. And so I can feel what it is. And that usually becomes, you know, I've done nothing. You're wearing a uh, like a black, a thick black windbreaker, black pants, beautiful black boots, like Paddington Bear black boots, almost new. I like Paddington Bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you got a cool black hat, like a cowboy hat almost. But uh, yeah, that's the way I work. Is this the uniform that you you wear when you're walking around? I wear this every day. Okay. Yeah. So when they see you walking down the street, they know you. Yeah, pretty much. I was under the impression that right before COVID and through COVID, the population of Skid Row grew a great deal. Is that false? If you talk about Skid Row ge geographically. Mm -hmm. As if, a neighborhood. If you talk about Skid Row geographically, I don't think it's growing. I think it's shrinking because a lot of people have gone to Van Nuys to uh, uh, over by Trade Tech, so uh, other Broadway, you know, so. 
And, and, and why, why did they move out of Skid Row? Some of them just probably wore out. They're welcome. Some of them didn't like this, you know, being around certain people. Some of them had to leave because, you know, other, you know, whatever the, the incident. I never asked anybody why they left Skid Row to go and live on Vernon over mm -hmm. the freeway. Maybe because it, 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 it wasn't a lot of people there. But Skid Row initially was for services. I mean, you gotta remember, right. I don't just I don't just get help people with the services for the clinic. I help people in the area. So like, if you need the midnight mission, if you need to go to the Union Rescue Mission, if you need to go to the Wine Guard Center, if you need to go where the uh, 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 the barracks is, you know, or some other place, or if you need a shelter or something, I have to know those things in order to help a person, and that becomes my clout. And, and, and I agree with you that most people, I would assume, live in Skid Row because of those services, because there's free health care, there's, there's, and there's other people. Well, and, and so my question then is, when you see them moving to Van Nuys or Trade Tech or Vernon, do you worry that they're not going to have the services that, that... They have the services, they got ACA. All of those are over there too. <laughs> they got ACA anywhere you go. If you go in and you you sign up for the county, you find out you get a medical care. Okay. Yeah. So the ACA is a good thing. Good. Yeah. Okay. I think it's the I think it's ACA. What is the American uh, Care Act for for medical care? The it, Obamacare. Yeah, Obamacare okay. is, is right. I, I don't know. I, How do you feel I'm about a, Obama? How do I feel about Obama? Mm -hmm. I think he was very intelligent. I think he's intelligent. I think he, I think he knew how to play the game. You know, he was, you know, he was a geopolitical asset for America. That's what he was—a geopolitical act, 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 asset. When you were living on Santa Barbara and I, I was, Vermont. Did no, you think I didn't live there? I lived on 50th and Figueroa. <laughs> I live right down the street from USC. Okay. Because USC is way down there. Well, I thought the USC was more on like 26th. The Coliseum. And Fig. Wait, wait, wait. wait but you wait, were on 50th? Wait. I was on 50th and Figueroa. Okay. Now, if you go down to where Martin Luther King Boulevard is, yes. that's where Santa Barbara used to right. be. Right. And that's where the Coliseum, yes. the sports arena, that's right, right there. That's Rest in peace, the sports arena. Yeah, that's where I was. Okay. When you were over there as a young man, did you ever think there was going to be a black president who was going to give health care to the poorest of the poor? And not get shot. Because you saw people getting shot. Who were making differences back then? Black president. You know, that's the most, that's, I think that's ridiculous. You call a black president. You know, because of an ethnic, he was put in by, you know, certain factions of a political system that understands how it works. You know, and, and, a lot of the things, you you know, you're saying a black president, what? It, it, it's ridiculous because guess what? If you want to say what is a real black, with Malcolm X, and then you say Martin Luther King, and then you say Louis Lomax, and then you say Megger Evers, and then you say those were kind of like black men. I don't look at. I, John I, Lewis isn't a black man? John Lewis. John Lewis. John Lewis is a different man, but he was not elected to president either. 
only because of time, though, don't you think? He was before doesn't his time. matter. Doesn't matter. Anytime, anytime you say, look, whoever sits in that seat, they play the game. It's a geopolitical game. But, and but I guess what I'm asking is, don't you think if John Lewis was the same age as Obama, that John Lewis would have? But, but you, you, you but, no. You don't look at Obama as a black man. You, 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 you were talking about Negro earlier in this. Obama, look, look. Obama's not a Negro. Obama. You could say you could say somebody is this and somebody is that, but when you see what happened, you gotta say, ah, oh, they elected him for some reason. And they groomed him for some reason. Really? So that's what that's the way I, I'm talking about me personally. And, and I want to hear from you. That's my opinion. Yes. Okay. Because the you, Democratic Party groomed him. You, 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 I, Nancy I Pelosi. I don't know if the, the Democratic Party groomed him, but whoever, whoever, whoever knew, whoever knows how this geopolitical thing works, they groomed him, and they also. You know, when you look at the system, it also makes it, 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 it's, it's the Hegelian dialectic. All you got to think about is the Hegelian dialectic. And tell the people what the Hegelian, this, this is problem, what action, solution. You when, create the problem, you say what the action is, and you come up with the solution. And when you- There was a lot of problems when he got elected. I don't even think the Republicans wanted to win that election. There were so many problems. Man, listen. Recession listen, was listen. so bad, they didn't even want to say the word recession. Listen, listen, listen. So if, if he was a geopolitical economic move yeah. to, to put somebody different rather than the old white man, okay, but... I, you, you weren't proud as a black man when he accepted in Chicago and when Michelle Obama was the first lady? I'm not playing the game. You sure aren't, are you? No, I'm a human being. I'm not playing the game. This is it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Huh? I'm not playing the game, and and whatever the game is, I'm not playing it because I do look at it as a game. And then sometimes too, you know, he had to. He didn't even get a chance to put any policies in. He had to rule by executive order. Come on now, well, let's no, be real. They passed Obamacare. It, that look, was a law. Look, that look, is a law. Look, look, who, who wrote the law? Probably about eight hundred people. Yeah, and 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 and, and seven hundred ninety nine were white. But, so <laughs> okay, but, but 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 real quick, you mentioned hit Obamacare though. It it seems I like it has Ob impacted no, the people no, that you, you work with. No, no, you understand. You understand. Look, look, Bernie Sanders. I I could call it Bernie Sanders care. I don't care. <laughs> but but it seems to me though that it helps the people that you help. Is that not true? And no, it helps everybody. Okay, but you know, especially don't, those don't, people. Wait, wait. Let's go to let's go to let's go to Mitch McConnell's land. Okay, aren't they using it? I don't know. Are they? The, everybody is using the ACA. Come on, right? Poor and, and but but Mitch McConnell really. fought against it. They tried to. Who cares? They fought, look down in Mississippi. They fought against the, they fought against the money, but the six hundred million dollars they still they took it. Started getting judges. <laughs> And stuff like that in black Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. You know, and trying to geopolitics that. Yes. And saying, oh, it's okay because, you know, you got a Republican Senate, you got a Republican governor, you got it. And so guess what? It's because of the $600 million. 
Come on. Money talks. These, these, no, these people are, are, are duplicitous and, and, and hypocrisy. True. Let me tell you something. There's, the deception is the world. And let me show you how it works. Okay. There's hypocrisy, hyperbole, there's cognitive dissonance, and there's misinformation, propaganda. That's all that we live through. Mm-hmm. And that's deception. And so it's the deception is all a lie. Yes. And so when you say, when you say, Oh, oh! Happy days are here again, Obama. And they, and, and it, that, that's ridiculous. You, you, if you was going to elect somebody, how come when you know some of them other black people who had different platforms ran, they didn't get no airtime, didn't get nothing. But then all of a sudden, the man that you pick, the man that you groom, and the man that you say seemed to come out of nowhere and put him as president. And besides, let's let's look at it this way: all of it is a sham. Because the, the, the Constitution itself is a white man's paper that helps white men at all white times and then don't help nobody at any time. That's the most ridiculous idea. And then they were saying that the Constitution, to keep it or not keep it, I saw that play. It was a good play, too. you know. <laughs> and, and so they voted to keep it. But you know, half the time, the people that are in there are supposed to be running by that. They throw it out the window. They sure do. And then when Donald Trump got in, what constitution? <laughs> All right, Mr. Mack, we're going to have to keep this answer short. What do you do when you walk around Skid Row talking to these people? I smile and I be as cheerful as I can. And I try to earnestly help somebody with something that they need. So you're just walking up to just strangers saying, hello, can I help you today? Is that the basic gig? Sometimes. And and what do they say in return usually? Today, what did people ask for, for help about today? Nobody asked for anything. I'm doing a vaccine program right now. There are 10 vaccines, and I'm doing a vaccine program to say that if you need a you know, check with your, your primary care and find out which vaccine. There's hepatitis A, there's hepatitis B, there is a shingles vaccine, there is a flu vaccine, there is a pneumonia vaccine, you know, and then there's the COVID and the monkeypox vaccine. So if you need any of those vaccines, check with your primary care and ask them. So you're giving or, them education? Well, well, of course. You and, don't have a bag of needles that you can no, vaccinate them with? No, no. I can send them over there to the homeless health care, the needle exchange on 4th Street. Okay. And they can go over there and they can get Suboxone and they can get clean needles. Do these people not know about these things? Do you feel useful when you go around telling them these things? I feel useful when I wake up in the morning. So come on. I mean, I don't Good. need I don't need somebody to make me feel useful. <laughs> I know you don't. Yeah. You're a special person. But but the thing is is that I think some people would say, "Well, shouldn't they know this already?" No. They don't know this. Look, Remember, it's the homelessness is a socioeconomic condition brought on by policies and politics of people with means. Mm-hmm. And so guess what? You know, one day you might be working downtown, you know, Hollywood and stuff, and then, in, you know, in six months you might be out on Skid Row. You know, it's, it, you, we, we have to stop. We have to stop making people something, you know, some something other than. Mm-hmm. They're people. They're human beings. Yeah. And they got the same things that you got. Sometimes they just don't have the economics for a, a, a greater living situation. 
My final question about Skid Row. The LA Times had a really good story. Uh, Nita from the LA Times a long time ago, a couple years ago, said, before you just show up and just give things, why don't you ask them first what they could use? Do you think that's good advice? I think that's intelligent. I don't know about good advice. I think it's intelligent, you, you know, because now you, one thing I'm going to tell you is the most important thing I heard when I got down there in 2003, mm -hmm. leave a man with his dignity. Okay. And every day I find out how to leave a man with his dignity. Give sometimes us some tips you on don't, this. Sometimes you just don't say nothing. And that's the best thing you could do. That's the best thing you could do. Just acknowledge him and move on. You might not even acknowledge him. You just keep going. Okay. Because you don't want to assume something that may not be true. That yeah. man may not want anything from you. He just and needs so what are you going to do? You're going to go up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Right. You just stole his dignity when you went up there and made something out of him. That's right. When he might be having the worst day in his life. Mm -hmm. Or he might be having the best day in his life. You don't know. Mm -hmm. You just assume that you're giving him something is gonna, it's gonna ease your conscience. It's not gonna do anything for him. So let's stop. Let's let's get real. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times people giving things because oh, there for the grace of God go I. You know, let's get real. I'm trying to be real now. The people that listen to this podcast are the nicest people on the planet, and and, and I think they are now. Now they want to help. If they want to help, what's the best way for them to help? I heard it's giving socks to the homeless. Yeah, I know. Everybody thinks about giving something. If, if you want to help, next time listen to the guy that you see, listen to him, you know? And if he's not saying nothing, maybe don't intrude and ask. But then if somebody asks you for something, give it willingly and, let, and go. Because somebody's going to say, hey, can I get a dollar? Can I get a quarter? But judgment say, what are you going to do with it? No. If you're going to give it, give it. Mm -hmm. But like I said, at the end of the day, you know, leave a man with his dignity. And sometimes leaving a man with his dignity is not intruding. Yes. You know. I love that. You seem to have brought a mandolin or a banjo. No, this is Bob. Bob? Yeah, Bob. You know, so so one day I was... I. I in Skid Row, there's a divide, right? Which means that you have a little Tokyo. Yes. So Bob was right there, uh, the little Tokyo Garden right there. They used, there's a ukulele shop. And one day I just said, man, I'm going to get me a ukulele, man. Uh huh. And so I went and got Bob. So, so <laughs> Did you know how to play the ukulele? No, no, no. I like guitar. But Bob, I've been playing Bob for a little while. Uh -huh. And I've learned how to play uh-huh this right here that right there is uh that's from urban voices which in in almost like nine years ago i i was the co-founder of urban voices project mm. you know Leo sofer is the uh is the it, it, it is my co-founder mm -hmm. so we found a, a choir on skit room somebody said what would a choir be like i said oh He, he handed me a little book called Come On, Sing. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Urban Voices, and inside are the lyrics of Redemption Song by yeah. Bob Marley, yeah. Love's in Need by Stevie Wonder, Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Yeah, all of those are beautiful. Lean On Me, Bill Withers. 
Love yeah. Train, the OJs. And and we and this this Saturday on the 18th, we're gonna have uh, a Buck Fest right there on the corner of Fifth and and San Pedro. And if you got a song you want to sing, you can bring the song you want to bring and sing it. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna be there with uh, Bob? I don't know. Me and Bob, we might not be there, <laughs> but because I gotta go do something about Isabel. Yes.
you had to get in, huh? Bob wanted to get in on it. So, yeah. Mr. Mac. What? Thank you so much. I don't know. How is this going to come out? How is it? Perfectly. On? Perfectly. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up right now. Oh, we're wrapping up. Okay. Well, Mr. Mac, Bob. Yeah, yeah that's Bob. Spirit. <laughs> I love Bob. Everybody who is here today, thank you. Yeah. Roxanne, thank you for introducing us to your coworker. Yeah, I love Roxanne. She's beautiful. Uh, you know, and, 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 she, and, she, and she's smart. You, you have to understand, some people demonstrate an extraordinary intelligence, which means they're connected to spirit, while other people have a pseudo idea and a wrong and a long notion, a long notion of intelligence, but it winds up being stupidity. <laughs> Mr. Mack, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. How great was Christopher Mack? You know who we'd play ukulele for if we knew how? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, thank you so much for showing us all these cool people week after week after week after week. Here's a blank check. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, and Chris from the ATX. To be a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website or Medium blog forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you just paid your natural gas bill and it was highly unnatural? You can still help. Just post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Hmm. Oh my God, post two. Go crazy. Tweet something nice about us. In fact, anytime you see me tweet about an episode, retweet it. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in LA is spelled, and then it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who can also play the ukulele, Jordan Katz. What can he play? Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and straight up saints like Mr. Mac, who have been to the edge and came back stronger than ever and chose to help those who need it most. Thank you for all you do.